We're in 1 John, the first chapter. As I said earlier, we just introduced this series last week. And so if you were not here with us last week, the concept I've already told you about, the concept is eternal life is bigger than just time. Eternal life is quality. It's a quality of life. It's the Jesus life. It's the life of Christ available to believers. When you put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, a whole lot more went on than just you securing eternity. You entered into Christ. You became placed in Him. As such, you have the privilege of living His life. Let me read you 1 John 3, verse John 1, beginning verse number 3. That which we have seen and heard declare we unto you. Ye also may have fellowship with us. And truly our fellowship is with the Father and with the Son, Jesus Christ. And these things write we unto you that your joy may be full. This then is the message which we have heard of him and declare unto you that God is light. In him is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, his Son, cleanseth us from all sin. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar, and his word is not in us not terribly challenging to discern some of the emphasis of the Lord in this passage. He repeats a couple of words, one in particular that I'm going to focus in on this morning, and that word is the word fellowship. Fellowship. Let me pray and, and ask the Lord to meet with us, and I want to share what God laid on my heart. Dear Lord, thank you for this time. I need you. Lord, for all these many years of my own life, I have been so negligent to experience the fullness of the Christ life. And yet, it's been there available for me all this time. I pray, Lord, that you might bind any evil forces that are set out to try to discourage us, to distract us from the truth. I pray that your truth might go out powerfully now. And Lord, I pray that you might give me your insights now. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen. Just came back here a couple weeks ago from our family reunion in South Carolina. and What a blessed time it was. I thank you so much for your praying. Everything was spectacular. We got to be with all of our kids, except my oldest son-in-law and his oldest daughter were unable to come. But uh, of our nine grandchildren, eight of them were there, and all the rest of the family was there. It was spectacular. So we're in South Carolina, and the days were reaching right around 70 in the daytime, and they would dip down in the 50s at night. And so it was, it was really nice. Our, our, uh, our Airbnb that we rented was about two blocks from the ocean. And so we could just walk down to the ocean and... And one day, my wife and I went down and watched the sunset come over the ocean. It was just glorious. It was wonderful. 
Now, I put my feet in the ocean, and it was, it was tolerable. But we had a swimming pool there in the backyard of our Airbnb. Not a large one, but a swimming pool. And so if an adult were to stand in the deep end, the adult would be standing, oh, about, about this deep. I said, an adult, not this adult, because it wasn't heated. And so it was ice cold. And so I figured once we got there, my wife and I and, and my, uh, my Brad and Katie, and Katie were, Brad and Katie, their son, were the first ones to get there. So we walked around the place, and I put my finger in this swimming pool. And I said, a person might be crazy to get in that swimming pool. And so I purposed to not get in that swimming pool. But do you know where our kids and grandkids spent most of their week? In that freezing swimming pool, having the time of their lives. They couldn't wait. First thing in the morning, Mom, can we, can we go out to the swimming pool? And the last time at night, it's dark. It's dark out. And they're still playing in the swimming pool. And what we found out was the ocean was quite warmer than the swimming pool. So once in a while we go down to the ocean, but they like spending time in the swimming pool because it was just, they were all together there. Eight of, well, let's see, seven, my, my uh, youngest grandson, who's what, how many months old? Nine months old, did not go swimming. And then, but the rest of them were all in the swimming pool having a grand time, just splashing each other and just having a great time. As I was preparing for this morning's message, that has to do with fellowship. I spent time thinking about why I enjoy church. Why I look forward, and I've told you this, and it's not an exaggeration. Why at the end of a Sunday, when I'm going home, I'm already looking forward to the next Sunday. Why is that? Because there's just something incredible about being with people that all have the same motivation. We're all motivated in our love of Jesus Christ. We can all share in that. Quite frankly, we don't have to meet and preach each other messages to be benefited by each other's presence. We see their smile, their handshake. How are you doing? I've been praying for you. Can you tell me how it's going in your life? Just that being in a person's presence like that energizes me. And I'm thrilled what we have here at Hope Baptist Church. May that spirit never leave this church family. You see, that's fellowship. It's fellowship. It's, what's the, it's what the world's looking for in the bar, the nightclub. It's what the world is looking for in their drinking buddies. In the all-night gambling parties they have. That's what they're looking for, but leaving dissatisfied. Leaving a hole in their heart. They tried to fill it, and oh, they had a fun time for a while, but when they leave there, it's empty once again. Last week, we learned that Christ's offer of eternal life included much more than just living forever. In his life, we can experience all spiritual blessings in heavenly places, Ephesians 1.3. And one of those blessings is found in verse 3. That which we have seen and heard, declare we unto you, John writes. And what did they declare unto you? The next word is the word that. And this word that literally means in order that. So follow the thinking. John writes, that which we have seen and heard, 
in our time with Jesus, before he ascended to heaven, that which we have seen and heard, declare we unto you. In order that ye also may have, what's the next word? Fellowship with us. We tell you these things that we experienced with Jesus Christ in order that we might share in fellowship. And truly, our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. Fellowship becomes the dominant thinking here in this passage. Fellowship. Fellowship with us, the disciples. Them, fellowshipping with the Father and with the Son. So John declared his motive for sharing eternal life, and that motive was fellowship. First of all, to enter into fellowship with these disciples, that ye also may have fellowship with us. Also to share in fellowship with the Father and the Son. And truly our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. For what purpose? Verse 4. And these things write we unto you that your joy may be full. We're writing these truths because we want your life to be filled with joy. J. Vernon McGee wrote this. Suppose you wanted to know all about Shakespeare because you wanted to teach that particular subject. You'd go to Oxford University and attend the particular school specializing in that subject. When you ate, you would sit down with the other men who were studying Shakespeare. And you would meet the professors who did the teaching. You would hear them all talking about Shakespeare in a way you'd never heard before. You would hear many things that would alert you to the fact that you had a lot to learn about Shakespeare. So you'd begin to study and pull books off the shelf in the library and go to the lectures. After you had been at the school for two of three years, two or three years, they would make you a fellow. Then when you would go in and sit at the board with the other students and professors, you would join right in with them as they talked about the sonnets of Shakespeare. You would have fellowship with them, sharing the things of Shakespeare. Now, fellowship for the believer means that we meet and share the things of Christ. We talk together about the Lord Jesus Christ and His Word. And is not that to be the basis of our fellowship? We can have sweet fellowship. And the more we dive into this wellspring of the life of Christ, the more we have to share. And the more we connect, our spirits connect with others who are swimming in this life stream of Christ just something about a believer who is experiencing the fullness of Christ. There's something different in their countenance. There's something different in how they attack life, how they go through problems. We're drawn to that. When I sit across my desk from one of the men that I disciple, we study the Word together. We ask questions about what the word means. We look for applications in our own lives. As we talk about our lives with Christ at the center, we're experiencing what is true Christian fellowship. The rest of the book, the first John, is an accounting of what they had seen and had heard to improve their fellowship with them. Verse 5. This, then, is the message which we have heard of him, and declare unto you. Notice the message. What is this message that we heard from him, and now we're sharing it with you? 
Here's the message. God is light. And in Him is no darkness at all. That is the message. Jesus' eternal life message was God is life. As we swim in this stream of eternal life with all of its spiritual blessings, the message we find is that God is light. The disciples heard the message and faithfully declared it. We have heard of him and we declare it unto you. The message that Jesus gave his disciples, that they in turn passed down to us, is this simple truth that God is light. You see, his light dispels our fears. In Psalm 27, 1, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? You see, as the light of God shines on our enemies, we all of a sudden realize how ridiculous it is to fear them. In God's light, they look so minuscule compared to His almighty strength. Think of the 12 spies that went into the promised land. They went in and 12 spies came back out. Now, two of them came back just charged up. Let's go get them. You won't believe what it's like in the promised land. The grapes are enormous. Oh, it's a land flowing with milk and honey. We can have it. God's promised it to us. But ten of them could only talk about the giants. And in their eyes, they were insurmountable. We were as grasshoppers in their sight. Why? Because they were not allowing God's light to shine on the enemy. They were looking at it through eyes of flesh. What is it that is causing us not to be more aggressive in sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ? Is it because we see the lost world as the enemy? And they, we seem as grasshoppers in their sight? What if I said the wrong thing? What will they think of me? I don't know enough Bible to answer all their questions. They're so insurmountable. Ah, but when we allow the light of God to shine on our enemies, we realize this world is lost on its way to a Christless eternity. And apart from the testimony that we experienced salvation, they're going to march on their way to hell. We may not know all the answers, but we know the one who does, and we can share him with them. His light radiates from his life. From this life stream, his life radiates. In John 1, 4, in him was life, and the life was the notice. In him was life, and the life was the light of man. His life, God's light, is the life of men. Light reveals the way to go. God's light gives us guidance and direction. More than one time in the middle of the night, I've stubbed my toe because I didn't turn the light on. I figured I could just feel my way around. Well, I did, and my toe paid the price for it. Just a little light. It doesn't take a lot. A little light illuminates your way, and you can see where you're going. His light wants to direct your path. God's light gives us guidance and direction. 
one blessing found in this eternal life stream is guidance for our way. Psalm 119, 105, Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Psalm 43, verse 3, Oh, send out thy light and thy truth. Let them lead me. Let them bring me unto thy holy hill and to thy tabernacles. God, send, send your light that I might see where you want me to go, what you want me to do. We see in John 8, 12 that his light keeps me from darkness. Then spake Jesus again unto them, saying, I am the light of the world. He that followeth me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. His light is found in that eternal life stream. His life, the life of Christ. His light must be followed, otherwise there will be darkness. Many of us enjoy taking a flashlight and turning that flashlight off and then shining that beam on the floor. And then if you happen to have a cat, it's so much fun to frustrate the daylights out of that cat. As you take and take that beam of light wherever, and that cat just chases the light wherever it goes. Incredible thing. As long as you're in the beam of light, you can see where you're going. But if you step out of the beam of light, all of a sudden you're in darkness. We're to follow Christ. His light keeps me from darkness. His light was seen in Jesus when Jesus was on this earth. Jesus was the light of the world. In fact, in John 9, 5, as long as I am in the world, Jesus said, I am the light of the world. But in Matthew 5, 14, Jesus said to his disciples, Ye are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. Jesus prepared his disciples for that moment in which he would ascend unto heaven. He, being the light of the world, would be in heaven. Will there then be darkness in the absence of his light? No, Jesus made a provision because he was going to allow his disciples to reflect his light to the world. They were now the light or lights of the world. Well, those disciples, his original apostles, passed off the scene a long time ago. When his apostles passed off the scene, does that mean there's no longer light on the world? Oh, no, the apostles are gone. There's no light. No. No, because the apostles passed on and made other disciples that were to reflect his light to the lost and dark world all the way up to 2023. It's incredible generation after generation after generation, passing along that responsibility to reflect the light of Christ to the world. And that's our responsibility today, to reflect his light. Jesus, the light in heaven, we believers, swimming in this incredible life stream of the life of Christ, and then reflecting that light to a lost world. The message in verse number 5, emphasized as there's no darkness at all. God is light, and in Him is no darkness at all. God is holy. God is righteous. God is free from any sin. Psalm 145, 17, the Lord is righteous in all His ways and holy in all His works. 
In Ephesians 5.13, But all things that are reproved are made manifest by the light. For whatsoever doth make manifest is light. Next. Fellowship hinges on this message that God is light. 1 John now gets to emphasizing one of the main themes, that's fellowship. And fellowship, for us to have sweet, true Christian fellowship, it must be around this message that God is light. Verse 6, if we say that we have fellowship with Him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not the truth. For walking in darkness prohibits fellowship with Him you see, words alone cannot cover up our wicked ways and thoughts. We lie when we attempt fellowship with Him while walking in our sin. Something in our flesh convinces us that we can live our sinful lifestyle and still have sweet communion with Christ. Doesn't work. It's an either-or proposition. We either walk in darkness or we walk in the light. It's a choice to walk in the world or walk in the fellowship of Jesus Christ. You can't have both. You can't straddle the fence like so many try to do. It's impossible. Fellowship with other believers is also made possible by walking in His light. Verse 7, But if we walk in the light as He is in the light, we have fellowship one with another. And the blood of Jesus Christ, His Son, cleanseth us from all sin. I can have sweet fellowship with you if I'm walking in the Spirit. If I'm walking or swimming in this incredible life stream of Christ. If I'm experiencing the life of Christ, I can have fellowship with you if you are having fellowship with Christ. And there is a, an encouragement that comes from that. A refreshment that comes from that. But if I come to you and I'm walking in the light, and you're walking in darkness, we will not have fellowship. It'll be a frustration because you won't understand my encouragement and I won't understand your discouragement. We'll be on opposite ends of the spectrum. Todd King and I went out door looking yesterday at, at a really blessed time. We met a lady who uh, hadn't been going to church, but she had grown up in a Baptist church. We started talking about church and the things of God, and all of a sudden the three of us began having a fellowship there at the doorstep. Just talking about things of God. I never met her before. She didn't know us, but we had a similarity of an understanding. We all talked about our love for Christ. Walking through life, keeping a clean heart and being filled with the Spirit will open up a level of fellowship with other believers that quite frankly is experienced by only a few. Verse 8, if we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. We deceive ourselves by ignoring that sin that is in our lives. One of the great deceptions is that of self-righteousness. About the time we think we got it all together, we realize that we did it in our own strength. 
And we think, look how good I am. Look what I did. Whoa. In one of John Van Gelderen's books, I read across this, this account, he writes, My father said that as a young man he could not preach two good sermons in a row. If he preached a dud, he would seek the Lord for the next service. This faith accessed grace and God blessed. Then he would think, well, I'm finally getting there. And he would not really cast himself upon the Lord for the next sermon and would inevitably fall. Eventually, he learned to know his need for the supernatural dynamic continually. I'm nothing, but he's everything. Our flesh loves to take credit. Look what I did. Did you hear what I just did? Did you see what I just, whoa, I'm really something? Yeah. The Bible describes me pretty bad. My righteousness is filthy rags. That's the best I can do apart from Christ. The very best I can do. Smelly. Stink. Of course, verse 9, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Guess what it is that could heal fellowship? True confession. You're struggling in fellowship? One of the problems may be a lack of true confession. This word confess, it's in the present tense, suggests that it is an action to be repeatedly performed. We, we could say, if we keep on confessing our sins. The idea is that we take every sin before God and confess it immediately. It's to be a regular part of our walk in Christ. Confession is agreeing with God over the wickedness of our sin. By bringing our sin to God, He faithfully forgives us and cleanses us from all those residual effects of that sin, making us free to fellowship with Him once again. If I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. Years ago, early in my tenure as an Awana commander. I had uh, several directors under me, then all the leaders under them. And I told the directors before that night exactly how I wanted that evening to go. And I was walking around and I was checking out the various clubs. And one of the directors, it was obvious they were not doing it my way. So I walked up to them. They, they, they were across the room for their kids as the other leaders were working with them and the director was getting things ready. I said, why aren't you doing what I said to do? And I forget the answer. All I know is within moments, we were nose to nose and raising our voices. And I was letting them know how I felt about their decision to ignore what I said because after all, I'm me. You don't mess around with me because I'm the leader around here. I'm the commander. See what my badge says? It says, commander. You're, you're, it just says director. Oh, I let her have it. Hey, her, yeah. I let her have it. I walked away. I went about doing the rest of my duties. But you know, I was miserable. 
I tried to go through the things I always do, and that's seeing the other adults and encouraging them. I couldn't encourage them because I was miserable inside. It's my responsibility to close the, the older kids off with prayer. We'd get together and we'd pray. I had a hard time praying that night because I couldn't wait to get back and confess to that director that I had been a jerk. And I'd been completely in the flesh. And I had sinned and offended them. Of course, they accepted my apology and things were fine. And we restored the fellowship once again. But sometimes a lack of true confession is what parts fellowship. Verse 10, if we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar. And his word is not in us. Denying our sin makes God a liar, preventing us from any fellowship, including with his word. Here is someone denying their sin. I didn't sin. I'm not a sinner. Now, boy, I can't think of the last time I sinned. Hmm, I must have been a little child. Hmm, I've talked to people like that. At the doorstep, talking to adults. I don't sin. I don't tell them this, but I feel like saying, you just did, you lied. John here is presenting a believer who states that there has not been sin in their life. They, they don't sin. As much as saying, I've not sinned since the time I got saved. I can't explain it, but I'm just a really good guy. I don't sin. Even Paul stated his, his frustration with sin. Romans 7, 19 and 20, For the good that I would, I do not, but the evil which I would not, that I do. Now if I do that I would not, it is no more I that do it, but sin or a sin nature that dwelleth in me. In 1 John 1, 6, If we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, and do not the, we do not the truth. 1 John 1, 8, if we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. So denying our sin makes God a liar, preventing us from any fellowship, even fellowship in His Word. Why isn't God's Word opening up to me? Why is it a dusty old book? Could it be because there's a sin that's keeping you from fellowship? There's some consequences we experience because of our denial. As is always the case, God sees our sin much worse than we do. By denying we have sinned, we commit three grievous sins. First of all, we lie. We lie because the truth is we all sin, even when we don't recognize it. The heart of our old man is deceitful and is desperately wicked according to Jeremiah 17, 9. Secondly, by refusing to acknowledge our sin, we confess that what God said was untrue. God said something that's not right. He clearly said that if we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. In essence, we call our righteous and holy God a liar. And then thirdly, since the Bible is clear about our sin, our denial of its presence in our lives reveals that God's 
word is not abiding in our hearts. Were it in our heart, we would bow our heads in shame at our foolishness. And then lastly, just a, a, a retake of verse number 3. Verse 3 says, That which we have seen and heard declare we unto you, that, or in order that, ye may also have fellowship with us, and truly our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. You see, true fellowship is found in Christ. I love fellowship with you. I love it. I love our after times when we get together and just talk. I love before the service starts, we can walk around and just talk. I love that. I love the fellowship times we have, but i got to be honest with you. The fellowship that I have with the Lord Jesus Christ is far sweeter. Far sweeter. When I recognize his mercy that enables me to come to him even after all he knows about me. I'd love to hide it from him. I'd love for him to not see my wicked ways. I would love that. I wish there were a way to take a spiritual eraser and erase all those things in my past. I wish I could. But he knows about them all. He forgave them all, and he holds none of them against me. Woo! And I met with him this morning in a sweet way as if they never existed. I dare say most of you could not do that. <laughs> if I offended you like I had offended Christ, you'd have a hard time ever being able to, able to fellowship with me once again. True fellowship is found in Christ, that ye may also have fellowship with us. See, true fellowship is found in Christ as we find our life in Him. We can fellowship with Him in a very open way, a free way, as long as we find our life in His eternal life stream, the life of Christ. We're in Him. True fellowship is found in Christ as we center our desires in Him. Or I could say, as His desires become our desires. Do you get lit up over the same things that light up Christ? Jesus gets excited about things. When a soul puts their faith and trust in him, he gets excited. All heaven rejoices. When's the service going to get over? You know what I'm saying? Do we get excited about what Jesus gets excited about? True fellowship is found as we radiate with joy from a genuine relationship with Christ or daily walking with Him. I received a phone call this week from a fellow back in Rockford, where I'm from. I hadn't seen him or heard from him for over five years. He uh, came really sporadically to church. His work kept him out on most Sunday mornings. See, he would come sometimes, though very infrequently on Sunday nights and sometimes on Wednesday nights. So he wouldn't see us very often. Just crazy guy. He would just show up sometimes during the week and come to my office, sit down and talk. That apparently was his church service. And, uh, and he, was, he was growing. We would share things on a spiritual level, but you could just see that there wasn't, there wasn't this abundant life in him. 
Well, I recognized very quickly that there had been a big change in this man. A big change. For one thing, he had retired from his job and now was going to church every Sunday. He's developed a very close relationship with the new pastor there. He's coming to Saturday morning men's prayer meetings. He's not missing services. He's attending the Jolly 60s ministry there on a weekly basis. He's also responsible for caring for several of the widows there, going by weekly and caring for them. See, we found incredible fellowship on the phone. Incredible, sweet fellowship on the phone. As we talked about God's working in him, we could have this, this incredible bond, though we hadn't spoken for over five years. That which we have seen and heard, declare we unto you, John said, in order that ye also may have fellowship with us. And truly our fellowship was with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. With whom are you fellowshipping? If it's not Christ, you're missing out. Let's pray. Dear Lord, as, as we gathered together here this morning once again, Hope Baptist Church, my heart rejoiced as I see people coming in and their big smiles and their welcoming spirits. We began singing the songs, praise to you. My soul was thrilled. There's just something about meeting together in this place, Lord, and fellowshipping. Lord, I pray that you might help us this morning to be reminded of its importance and what it takes to have true Christian Fellowship. Fellowship in you and fellowship with other believers. And Lord, our spiritual life depends upon it. Holy Spirit of God, right now in the quietness of this moment, would you speak to hearts? And would you reveal to each person here their level of commitment to you, living the Christ life? Spirit of God, would you convict where conviction is necessary? Would you encourage those who are already experiencing this, the joy of swimming in this eternal life stream? And Lord, would you help us, the church body, to commit ourselves to true Christian fellowship? Perhaps you came in this morning and do not know for sure that heaven is your home. When you die, do you know 100% for sure, beyond a shadow of a doubt, that you're going to go to heaven? If not, i got great news for you. Jesus loves you. Jesus already died on the cross to pay for your sins. Jesus has made a provision for you to have your sins forgiven and a wonderful place in heaven. But it demands a work of confession and faith. You must confess that you're a sinner. And by faith, you must trust Jesus to forgive you and to save you. Have you ever come to Jesus, believing that he died on the cross, was buried, and three days later came alive, believing that? Have you put your dependence upon him to save you? I wonder, with nobody looking around, 
Do you know for sure that heaven is your home? If not, could I pray for you this morning? If you do not know for sure that heaven is your home, I would love to pray for you. Oh, not by name. I'd never embarrass you, but I'd love to pray for you. Who, by lifting your hand, would say, Pastor, would you pray for me? I don't know for sure I'm going to heaven, but I want to know. Please pray. Anybody? Put the hand up. I can see it. Anybody? Pastor, please pray. I wonder how many this morning would say, Pastor, I see this truth, this truth of fellowship, both with Christ and with, with uh, other believers in a fresh and encouraging way this morning, and I'm recommitting myself to this fellowship. Who would say with an uplifted hand, Pastor, that's my commitment this morning. I'm committing myself to true fellowship with Christ. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Dear Lord Jesus, I thank you for this time, and I thank you, Lord, for what you have done this morning in our hearts. I pray that you might continue to make Hope Baptist Church a place of true Christian fellowship. And Lord, may the excitement and joy that we experience here overflow, that we might become the lighthouse that you want us to be in this community, reaching others for you. And we'll thank you, Lord, for what you're going to do, for we love you. In Jesus' name, amen.